Hello, welcome back. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Emily. We're the executive directors and co-founders of ATX TV. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. This week and coming up through the end of 2021, we're releasing exclusive and original conversations from our Season 10 Festival that premiered in June 2021. Please enjoy this week's release and tune in both here and on youtube.com backslash ATXTV for even more TV goodness. Without further ado, here's this week's TV Campfire episode from Season 10 of ATX TV Festival. Enjoy. Good evening and welcome to the end of the first weekend of Season 10 of the festival. We hope you've been enjoying the screenings, conversations, and events, and that tonight is no different. I'm Caitlin, this is Emily, your temporary host for the night, and the co-founders of the festival. We're thrilled to have this conversation with Stephen McQueen and Channing Godfrey Peoples around filmmaking, prestige, and evolving television, and specifically the film series Small Acts. Getting Steve to season 10 is a great example of the things that are possible because we are virtual. I'm not saying we can't tempt him to join us in Austin someday, but with living in England and very full schedule, I think it would be a bit of a cluster. So getting to pair him with a Texan feels like a very ATX TV festival combo, and we couldn't be prouder to present it with Amazon Prime and hear all of their insights and wisdoms. Before they get started, we wanted to show you what Small Axe is all about with the trailer and make sure you all know that the full film series is available now on Amazon Prime. We know after this conversation, you're going to want to go watch them all immediately. So enjoy. are new types of human beings. They are not demoralized or defeated persons. They are leaders, but are rooted deep among those they lead. We mustn't be victims, but protagonists of our stories. Don't you think it's time things were different? As individuals, we have an impossible battle. As a collective, we stand a chance. If you are the big tree, we are the small X, sharpened to cut you down. Hi, I'm Channing Godfrey Peoples. I'm the writer director of Miss Juneteenth, and I'm delighted to be here with Steve McQueen. Hello, how are you? Hi, Steve. You know, it is so wonderful to meet you. It's such a wonderful such... film, uh, Miss Juneteenth. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I mean, um, you know, I, I've expressed this, but it's such a joy to meet you because I've absolutely been um, informed and inspired by your work over the years. Um, you are the consummate artist. And, you know, I'm so grateful for this conversation. For me, your films have always spoken to um, the humanity of the very kind of stories that you've taken on. And 
I was so, so grateful for small acts. I have to tell you, I was bowled over by um, the sense of authenticity. Um, it is a person that is telling this story that intimately knows this world. And um, it's something that I strive for and have been inspired by um, in my work. And I think you mm -hmm. also brought us into a community that we haven't often seen, if 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 at all, on screen. So I wanted to tell you, thank you for that. And I'm delighted to have this conversation with you. Oh, pleasure. Well, thank you very much for the wonderful introduction. My goodness. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to start. I have so many questions questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. But, and the, you know, this is a question that you've probably gotten very often, but I want to start by um, asking about the origins of this story, because I feel like in conceiving of my film that was about the community in which I grew up, it's a film I feel like that had been with me in my entire life <laughs> from childhood on. I just found myself um, watching stories and people around me and they became characters in my head. And I was informed by the world and by history um, in the community in which I grew up. And so I wanted to see what the origins of this story was for you. Well, your, your movie's fantastic. And so is Nick, Nicole Bahari, who I've worked with. And it's, it's, it's great. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it was a must and need and a want, really. It was um, essential for me to sort of make these films because in, in London, in, in, in the UK rather, um, these movies or these stories hadn't really been told. So it wasn't necessarily a responsibility as a passion. Um, and it was the, a, a, a British story, um, which was universal. Just, you, know, you talk about things that you knew um, or things that you grew up with. It's, it's so fascinating to me that something can be so specific and so precise, but at the same time be universal. You know, that was a, a wonderful thing to, to sort of um, to discover and to interpret uh, on, on film. Um, rituals, um, community, um, love, um, you know, um, and also it was a, a situation where I really had to make this. And because these stories were of been sort of, in a way, lost. Because a lot of people, when I, I, when I started this project 11 years ago, so I started 11 years ago, more, in fact. Wow. But it just didn't have an opportunity to find its feet. And I actually, myself, wasn't ready. I wasn't actually mature myself. I wasn't, you know, it's almost like seeing your parents as a teenager and seeing your parents as, as I am now. There's an a, a amount of the knowledge and amount of sort of experience I have to appreciate them more and to understand them more. So, um, yeah, um, it was one of those situations where now was the time. And so in doing that, <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's, it, it sounds like a, a, you know, you say it was a passion, but it also sounds like such a huge undertaking and responsibility, you know, in taking that vision and being able to relay that vision to your creatives, you mm -hmm. know. And um, you cast so beautifully, and, and we'll get to that. But how were you able to relay that um, vision so authentically to your creatives to have this film come out, these films, I'm sorry, come out in the way that they did? Well, first of all, as far as vulnerability, all that kind of stuff, I mean, I want that burden. I love that mm -hmm. burden. Put it on my shoulders. I'll Me carry too. it. I want it you know? <laughs> so it's, 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 a, you know, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor, in fact. Um, 
And as far as I can't, the second part of your question, as far as how do I get them, how do I get the film? Excuse me, I lost it because I got, I got into some of the burden. The second part of your, your question was, sorry, was about the creatives and, and how you communicated with the creatives to bring the sense of authenticity because okay. it's just so authentic and so specific. A lot of research, a lot of research. Of course, my first-hand account and coaches' first-hand accounts, co-writer of of, of um, Red, White, and Blue, and Lovers Rock, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people who did a lot of research. I mean, we had a lot of black people. I said people whose whose mothers and fathers and you know grandfathers and grandparents and mothers and were involved. So there was a, everyone brought their things in, but also there was a certain kind of uh, research, of course, and to find things which you know. Um, to, I mean, just like in wardrobe and art direction. So all those things that you I could were brought to me and I'd forgotten about. Oh my God, yes, that's that, and that's it's interesting when the puzzle is, is brought to life as such, because often a lot of things are in your memory. And even smell, I think smell is the, you know, when I was, I was, uh, you know, my, obviously, you know, with food and stuff, but smell brings about so much visualization. So using all the senses to sort of get to some kind of authentic sort of vision of, of what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I could smell the food. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the things like that struck me yeah. first, <laughs> because for black people, you know, food is such an essential mm. part of our cultures and, you know, inform who also, we are people, specifically. People who don't cook anymore, people don't forget to cook and they, they go and do takeout or whatever. It's interesting how, you know, when I, you know, how people, you know, have not that sometimes that hasn't been passed on, you know, how to, how to cook, how to season food, you know, vegetables. You know, mm -hmm. it's very important that we keep those, you know, nutritious, nutritious sort of uh, memories and nutritious sort of uh, things with us. It's very important. I mean, I was really, you know, I, so many of the scenes, you know, haven't left my mind and I play them over and over again. But I was just thinking about, um, you know, when you talk about the food, especially like the women um, cooking in the kitchen and lovers rock, mm -hmm. you know, and it's almost like they're cooking in rhythm. You know, their hands mm -hmm. are moving in a way that it feels like there's so many generations of knowledge are being passed down. It's almost automatic, you know, <laughs> like I felt it and I loved it so completely, you know, and it reminded me of many of my own experiences. And, and, and that's what I love about small acts. I, I feel like it's such a, um, you know, the stories are so specific. They're specific to this um, West Indian black community um, in a specific time in these specific times. But as a black person, um, there's so many commonalities that I've found, you okay. know, Absolutely. Um, in the sense of community, you know, and communing through music. Like I, there's just so much that I just the food, black joy, you know, black pain. There's so much that um, I latched on to. So um, we're brothers and sisters. We just come from we just be, we're put in different parts of the world. But there was something which you know connects us and links us in, in a very sort of a, um, you know, beautiful way. It just it's, it is something that can't die, something that can't be killed, something that can't be erased. And the similarities are are, are, are deafening, you know, blinding. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll kind of get into each one more specifically, but can I ask you pretty yeah. quickly, um, what is your? Nice to have a conversation with you. I got to say, don't have to have any questions. We just, you know, it's just because I'm vibing. We're, you know, we we're playing. You know, great. Yes, no, I've been waiting to have this conversation for a while. <laughs> um, I'm I'm so curious to know about your process of working with actors um, across the board, but in particular um, in these stories because. 
the actors are just so um, well cast and so specific to their roles and just so natural and authentic. And so I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on working with actors. Well, the first thing is trust. I think, well, the first thing is choosing the person, of course. Um, but the most important thing is trust and listening because it's a collaboration. I mean, bringing things to the table and how one can actually offer something to someone, but also how they could take it and, and run with it. I mean, I always try to get an actor to a certain point to be a sphere. And what I mean by that is you get to you, they, that, that the actor can get to a certain place where whatever they do is correct, meaning that they can roll this way or roll that way or whatever. They become a sphere. So it doesn't matter what they say or how they do it. They're there. That's what the character would do. They can't do anything wrong. But it obviously takes time to get to be that sphere. But when they're in a sphere, they become the character. And however they roll is correct. It's beautiful. If you could get to that moment where, you know, and also as a director, for me, the best thing to do, well, the, the dream, of course, is to say action and cut. And then that's it. That's the dream. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to, do, I don't want to did it, did it be directorial. All the hard work has to be done for me, at least before we get onto set. And of course, there's opportunities and time to sort of correct and help and support and collaborate in, in certain situations, of course. But it's about um, it's about trying to get to that, that 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 moment. And of course, it doesn't often. It's like having a something you know standing up in the wind and it falls down again. You pick it up and it wobbles about and it falls down again. But Mm-hmm. It's those moments where you can, when it does do that, it does do the miraculous, where it, 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 it's all worthwhile. So that's the, the process of actors to help them to become the sphere where whatever they do is correct. Listen, I want to tell you about the system in here. Yes. So listen me and listen me careful. There's enough talk of ism and schism and racism. Me not defend nobody against the charge of racism. Cause Rasta don't discriminate. But the main thing you have to worry about in a this year country is the system of class and classism. When the children of Africa was dragged to the West, eh? it's cause of money, cause of the cheap labor, benefiting the upper classes, lining them pockets. I know the system still, still. The poor little pitney them in an inner city school. Them can't make much progress. Otherwise, Ogo build them house. Hmm? Ogo drive them bus. Hmm? Some of them make it through, yes. But only a few of them. And that is why me keep going on about education. Education. You have to supplement when them teach you. By teaching yourself. You're teaching how then, man? You have to unlearn where you have learned. And you can start by reading. Reading the scholars of few people. That will turn your life around. It's my job to, to support and encourage. And sorry, one last thing. And also to make an environment where the actor feels safe. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is from the catering, from the wardrobe, from the electricians, from the sound people, to the car, everyone is on the same path. So when an actor comes into the environment, because actors, I feel often, they're very kind of, um, 
they're very skittish, you know, sometimes actors. They can sense, they can smell when something's up. So we feel every environment where everybody is on the same vibe, everyone is, is supporting, everyone's there for the right reasons. Then there, there's a chance for them to sort of go for it. There's a chance for them to actually take chances, take risks, you know, to fail and to fail better, you know? Absolutely. I love that. I, I also, you know, one of the things that I found um, in my film, because my leads, you know, there were a lot of people from Black Texas in the film, mm -hmm. but like Nicole Bahari, for instance, wasn't from Texas. Um, the the young man who plays her um, husband is from Texas, but from a different part of Texas. Um, but in what I found was in surrounding them in the environment, like um, we shot in the different like locations in which I grew up and rode around, <laughs> you know, that informed their journeys so Absolutely. much. And so I felt like I saw that um, in small acts and, and in this really magnificent way, because you have, these are period pieces, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it was so impeccably done and in, impeccably detailed. I was like, how could the actors not feel immersed in these particular worlds? Yeah. Well, they, 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 they yeah. I mean, also the people bouncing and vibing off each other, but also what helped was that their parents or their grandparents, they kind of recognized a certain thing, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and that was the, that was the, you know, a lot of the people, you, you talk to people, discuss people, but also they have their own, I mean, for example, um, oh my goodness gracious, there was, um, I can't remember that, um, there's one character whose father had a sound system, for example, in Lovers Rock, so she knew all about that. Or there was another person who sort of, you know, was in the kitchen all the time with her grandmother, so she knew all about that. So it became so, they felt so, also as black people to be on a set, with you know, you know, a lot of heads of the department who are black and to feel comfortable and to feel that they could do anything. That's what happened. So people just sort of, you know, are rather than, uh, or be rather than um, uh, have to be someone else or act in a certain way. The body is different. The body language is different. So when they're in an environment where they're comfortable, things actually um, are allowed to sort of, um, can I say, things are allowed to sort of um, develop. I love that so completely when you say people are just being, you know, like I, I'm thinking about like in Miss Juneteenth, there's a black funeral home and it's owned by family, friends, you know, and it's been passed down through the generations. And um, like one of the woman who does, you know, makeup there on the bodies, you know, we affectionately call her granny, you know, in the community, everybody's mm -hmm. granny or aunt or uncle, I you know. She's there making sure that it looks realistic in the film. You know, it's a very community way of working. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's the South is not so, again, it's the South is not so far from the West Indies. It's a, it's a similar kind of, you know, it's rural. Um, you know, it's a different, it's not, you know, it's not a city folk. It's, it's rural. It's, it's about the family, it's about the land, it's about community, it's about, you know, church and everything else. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a similar situation. Yeah. I love that so completely. Um, I am dying to ask you this question. Um, <laughs> I yes. want to know, <laughs> you're like, yes. Um, can you speak to the, your process of like choosing where to move, where you want to move the camera or not to move the camera? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, this is really good. This is cool. This is really cool. <laughs> oh, no, this is really cool. Um, this is the thing I, you know, I grew up, you know, um, I could draw at a very early age. I could, I could, that was my talent. I'm dyslexic, so school was very difficult for me. 
but I could always draw. Um, and it was kind of like at a certain point become undeniable. This guy could draw, I could draw. So that was my out. Art was my out um, of uh, a situation where it wasn't so supportive at school. So perspective and the frame as such was happening to me very early on. So it was all about perspective. Um, and then, you know, progress from a crayon to a paintbrush. I was a, I was a painter, I painted at art school, then I got the camera. So that's, it was almost like an evolution. So um, where to move the camera? It's, oh, that, it's just, it excites me sometimes because I remember something, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, it's there, I know it's there, I know it's there, I know it's there. And it's often in the most, it's, most, it's often in the most peculiar places. It's not often it's right underneath your nose. You're looking this and this, this and it, but it's not, it's not about being unconventional. It's actually being truthful. Where yes. does the camera want to be? Where does, what perspective, how do I see things? So, uh, you know, you have the whole of sort of say, okay, film history in your head, if, if you will, but you're limited. If you, also, oh, so, so it's exciting. So often is the case, um, what do I want to say? Often is the case that limitation is freedom. Limitation is freedom because then you don't have as many possibilities. So therefore, okay, this is it. Okay, this is it. Okay, and therefore you can set the camera where you want. Um, and also, it's just about looking and looking and looking, and it's there. I know it's there. I know it's there. I know it's there. I know it's there. And look and look and look. Keep on looking, and it's there. Um, my process, it's just, it's uh, it's what what makes sense. What what excites me. What um, what can an image tell? Also, the the economics of the, of the frame. Maybe I could say three things with that one camera angle. Four things, maybe, because something in the background, something in the foreground, something in the, in the, you know, in the middle, something one was one passing. So all those things excitement. I'm going on a bit because I'm you know because I love to be economic because often time and and uh, uh, and space. So it's all about the economics of the frame. I'll shut up. Sorry. Do not shut up. I am I with know, you. I <laughs> when I get, when I, only when I get excited. No, no, no. I, 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 I talk a lot. I'm from the South, but I, I mean, I, I've loved everything you said and, and I'm so appreciative of it and can sense every bit of it in your work. But, you know, I was watching Lovers Rock and I've watched it probably too many times now, but it's clearly like, it's becoming, the it's becoming, like, a, it's becoming like a record. No, people watching it like, yeah. No, is nice. that what it is? <laughs> well, um, I, I, I just, I watch it and you have this feeling that this storyteller is inside of the narrative. Like this is, they are in this experience. And I felt like, I remember when I watched it the first time and um, I, and I'm, and I'm trying to think when silly games came on and I was like, okay, so I'm here. This is like call and response. You know, I was feeling like this energy and this spirit, um, Mm -hmm. And then when Mercury Sound came on, my heart was beating fast. And I was like, see, that's when <laughs> you know that this is a great film when you are there in the narrative, like with these characters. I don't even want to call them characters with these human beings, you know, having this experience with them. And so I was really, really grateful for that. And so I wanted to, you know, I know that you've talked about like, you know, decisions about the camera and where the camera should move or not to move very specifically. But in this particular instance, can you give an example of how you made choices about where the camera moves? Because I can't even conceive of um, how you did that. Mercury song, 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 Mercury
Amazing young cinematographer Shabia, and um, he's fr he's from Antigua, and uh, he's an amazing bloke, man, and young guy. And he, um, what's interesting about Shabia is that he is a skater, but also he's a sailor. So he has an amazing sense of balance, amazing sense of uh, accurately. You know, he's, he's has amazing sense of balance. Also, you know, being in that room, actually, we shot that. We started Lovers Rock, I think, the day before Carnival. So, Shabier had never been to Notting Hill Carnival in London, you know. And he's, you know, he's a Carnival guy because he's from Antigua. He came back, mash up, mash up. I don't know what, how what time he came back, right? So he had the vibe. Yeah, he had the vibe. Yeah, absolutely. So to be in that, you know, with the, you know, with with, with 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 those people, to be in that room, and to be a black man with a camera as well, you know, is a different mm -hmm. thing. Shooting mm -hmm. black people. And the vibe and how he, you know, I was on a microphone him, but often he was just, he was moving with the situation, finding it with the situation, because you're in the milieu of the situation. So, you know, I, I was on a mic with him, say this, this, but when you're there, you're there, you've got to see it. And of course he could see that, he, that, that that's the Sherbet's field of reference. My field of reference is, you know, 180, of course. So I could record it on the mic, but when he's in there, he's in there and he's just extraordinary. So we were communicating, but at the same time, he, you know, he has a, you know, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. I think that's the thing. When you have a beautiful human being and he appreciates other human beings and he, and he, could, and he could witness and he could recognize something which is gorgeous. When other people might think it's not gorgeous, that's when you got something. That's, that, that's the thing. And, and, and to vibe with him and to talk with him and to sort of direct him in a way, it, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's ammo. It's, he's amazing. So he's a, it's about being beautiful and recognizing beauty and I think doing something beautiful is not doing something beautiful is not easy, because what it is, there's a lot of kitsch, there's a lot of like oh, but beautiful is humanity. That's what it is, mm -hmm. and that's what he mm -hmm. that's what that's what he got. That's what what kind of eye he's got. So I'm very pleased for him. I definitely felt that. Like I felt like it was an energy energy exchange between yeah. the two of you. You know, and I was like, how much of this is. Um, very specific and it felt like a very wasn't planned wasn't planned I, thank you spontaneous <laughs> you can't plan thank you you got to be in your you know you know left left right right no look at that no 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 you're, you're seeing it but he's seeing it too so when he's in a flow right. i don't want to disturb but at the same time saying no 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 because no. he feel the reference is only that my field reference is that so i could no left right come back to that guy so it's it's a beautiful Beautiful dance. It's a beautiful dance. Yes. Beautiful dance. And, and dance is the best way to describe it. Like um, we have a dance bar scene in Miss Juneteenth and it was similar in that it was like 
my uh, cinematographer, Daniel Patterson, you know, it was similar and it was an energy exchange. You know, you go in and like, we were using real folks too from the community. <laughs> so, you know, it's just finding things, you know, finding where the energy is and moving around energetically. So I, I felt that. And, and I love like, you know, I told you I've watched Lovers Rock too many times, but I'll just go to Mercury Sound sometimes and just. <laughs> that's, I think that's the track Kunta Kinte, where they put a needle on the record and they go mad. That is the dub oh track. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's because, so, yeah. you go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It, 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 it's a kind of cleansing. It's a kind of spiritual. I mean, like I said, you know, a situation with black young people at that time, if they hadn't had that. If they didn't have those dances, there would have been a, a, a real huge mental health problem, a, a deep psychosis, yes. absolutely. To and release, to, yeah, to be. And it, you know, I love that you say that, to release and be, because when I watch it, you know, I instantly, the first time I watched it, I went, wow, I love us. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. Black people. It was that kind of moment. And, and then in watching it, and I feel this way throughout the film, is that, there feels like, you know, there's this question about, you know, that I feel like, or, or I feel like I've constantly had, you know, in my community about what does it mean for Black people to be carefree? Like, when do we get to be carefree, you know? And like, I watch scenes like that in Lovers Rock, and it just feels like there's a sense of like freedom, you mm. know, that is happening. And I, I don't know, it's just so beautifully captured. <laughs> But also to be seen, I had, you know, I had this, I had this, 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 this woman come up to me, you know, about a month after, <coughs> and she said to me, Steve, thank you very much for allowing me to be seen, you know, as a, a beautiful, you know, sexual human being, and in her, in her, in her own body, in, and, 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 and the guys in their own body, you know, it wasn't being objectified, it was just being free to sort of do, to feel. And, you know, as an actress, you know, I don't think she said, she said to me, she's never had the opportunity to sort of do that or be that. Um, uh, and that's it. And again, I, look, it, all over Small Acts, you have those little moments of joy and, and, mm -hmm. and, and thing, because it, it is, we are community, we sit down and eat. So the food all the way through, you know, you have food in all of the, all of the, all of, of the series, you have food, for example, it's a, it's a staple part um, and music. Is the thing that keeps us going, helps us, you know, go. I'm, listen, I am sure, I know this for a fact that Aretha Franklin has saved people's lives. Fact. I know that James Brown has saved people's lives. I know Bob Marley has absolutely saved people's lives. There's not an if, there's not a but, or there's a maybe mm -hmm. uh, about it. And I think, you know, I don't know, it's just wonderful to put these things together within different narratives. I mean, like Red, White, and Blue, for example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With, um, with, uh, um, excuse me, with uh, John Baeger, um playing Leroy Logan, you know, one, one of the highest ranking black policemen. Uh, um, and he rec was recruited in, in, 19, in 1980. You've got to think about that <coughs> because he's on the other side of the coin. He's trying to assimilate to sort of, mm -hmm. um, um, he's trying to assimilate to sort of infiltrate in order to sort of change things within the, within, within the sort of, the, you know, the, 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 the um, the, the institution of, of the police, um, and he comes up against it. Um, and it's his relationship with his father, which actually is the hook, because you have two mm -hmm. generations, um, mm -hmm. and it's a million, it's obviously it's a masculine sort of, in, in, it's, a, it's, it's a story really about masculinity and black masculinity and 
and father in some relationships and how mm -hmm. they come try to resolve that within the context of the broader wider society um racist society of the uk uh in in the 80s why don't you look back at me can't talk only you guys are good at talking why don't you back me simple question you normally speak why don't you back me me up or you get slapped up how about that Aiz. um so in red white and blue john boyega's fantastic performance um can you speak a little bit for which he won a golden globe award for mm. um can you speak a bit about your preparation with him for that particular role well interestingly with john in that role um i had seen john in, a, in an attack the block obviously a long, long time ago it was about, mm, 10 years ago now and i always thought you know this guy he's like a Denzel, there's a quality, there's a thing about him that he, there's a real presence with this with this guy. And I thought, okay, well, hopefully we'll see him down the road. Maybe one day I'll work with him. So luckily with Red, White and Blue, we, we, we got a chance to work together. And I think John at this time was very hungry. You know, he was hungry to sort of be someone because it, you know, he had been something, not someone before in Star Wars. And he, he wasn't sort of, uh, um, he, he felt sufficiently sort of uh, um, um, nourished with that um, project. And I mean, we know about the history about that as well. So he was hungry. He wanted to get his, his teeth into something. So Leroy Logan and Red White and Blue was a, a, the perfect opportunity and the weight. And interestingly enough, when we, when we got going in that, he was, he, was, he, was, he was so comfortable. I think he hadn't been on a set like that before. But you know, he'd never been on a set with that many black actors, ever. He'd never been on a really? set with No, never. Never been set with the black DP, black director. Never, never, never. So therefore, I felt that he, he kind of like, he said to me one day we shot we shot a scene with, with, with the family dinner table and whatnot. He said, "Oh, it's over." I didn't even feel like I was working. He said to me, "I didn't even feel like the, 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 bit, the bit when he just began, just before he goes to Hendon, which is a police training camp, that whole scene and everything else we did." He said, "Oh, I, he said I didn't think I was working. He had so much fun. We laughed." We, we, we collaborate. Oh, what would you do? What would you do? So many things, ideas are popping in that because people are excited to sort of tell their story on a dinner table because everyone had been, had been on that table before. So they could give you these great ideas. So interestingly enough, what happened in the process of making um, Red, White and Blue, of course, George Floyd thing, March happened in London. 
and uh, during that time, and John was in Hyde Park. I imagine people know about John's speech mm -hmm. in Hyde Park and how passionate yes. he was. And after his speech, he came back, and then um, he wanted, obviously, he had, was raring to go. And in some ways, how that situation happened, where he was playing Leroy Logan and what was going on with John F having that amazing sort of uh, eruption in him. A lot of that happened because we were talking, no, no, I'm not talking credit for what John was doing, but a lot of things were being discussed at that time on that film set because of what we're talking about, a black man joining the police mm -hmm. and the corruption, you see? So he had these things turning and churning and churning. So we were influencing him and he was influencing us because when he came back after that speech, then we did this amazing scene with uh, um, um, with Leroy Logan, with John being Leroy Logan um, at, at, at the Stuka table, where he goes in, into the in, into the the, the uh, police social club and has that um, confrontation. So it was amazing, sort of uh, you know, and um, how can I say, a fortunate sort of situation which which occurred, um, which helped him to to make that 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 project sort of so um, memorable for me and him. Yeah, I thought it was like, you know, so like his performance was just so natural <laughs> and mm. authentic. And you just you you were with him every step of the way, you know, um, and navigating like this journey. And it, it, what was heartbreaking was the exchange with his father, you yeah. know, um, and I just thought it was so beautifully done. So I just wanted to kind of get perspective on how you all work together. And that makes perfect sense that, um, you know, the performance is also informed by the times because, and I mean, I can only imagine him um, navigating that and playing that character at the same time. Wow. But again, like I said, I think it was the Star Wars thing, you know, the, his, his issues with Star Wars and how he'd been sidelined. You got me? Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, working on the set and having the situation where all of a sudden he's feeling, oh my goodness, this is this is possible, or I'm doing this, and we having conversations about the Leroy Logan, conversations about you know, me, 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 two black men, things anyway. Then mm -hmm. for, for all these things were stirring in him. So you know, it was just um, I, I don't know, it was just wonderful to be in a situation where you're working with an artist who's conscious and can actually translate things which oh, um, yes. are around um, and were stirring. So we had a, oh, yes. a unique situation. Um, I don't know how much more I can add to that. So I wanted to talk more. to you, talk to you a bit about Mangrove, which was entirely like a, a film that I felt absolutely had to be made, you know, that we didn't know had to be made. Um, I loved that. I felt transported into this community, this particular community in this particular time in which I have never experienced and will never be able to experience. Um, when you talk about the food, the food took us there, you know, the sense of community. I feel like I've been to that bar, you know, I feel yeah. like I, <laughs> you know, I feel like I don't even know if you, it's a restaurant. I'm sorry. Terrific. I feel like I've been, I've been yeah. to that restaurant, you know, and, and eaten with those people. I feel like, you know, these are my people, you know, I really mm. felt inside of it. And so, um, I wanted to tell you, it was just so authentically portrayed. And so I wanted to see how you decided to take Mangrove on and um, how long had it been with you and how you even prepare for a project like that. The government believed the British state with over a million black people living here now is in grave danger. Uh, yeah, right, it's true, no? 
But that shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us here. I think the Black Panthers need to actively prepare in order to defend the black institutions and businesses that can come under threat. Like Frank Crichlow over at the mangrove. Man, a man. Frank is not interested in the movement. What do you mean? We have nothing but love for the man, Frank, all right? But that man's blood run purer than politics. If you can call an better at gambler, pure. No, listen. <laughs> Frank is a charming and gentle person who doesn't realize what he has done for our community in simply providing us the space. The mangrove is now a focal point for black people to come and sit, talk, and exchange views. That is a rare and precious gift. Mm, damn right. And that Betty made the best roti. <laughs> but seriously talking, we need to defend ourselves against Powell and his rivers of blood nonsense before that stream winds its way to our door. And he need to wind himself into the sewer. Damn rat. <laughs> talking foolishness. Well, Mango was the first film that we, I, I wanted to make in the trilogy, that, that, sorry, in the anthology, excuse me, um, series. Um, and that was the first sort of episode as such. Um, and um, it had to be Mangrove because of the magnitude of the importance of that particular story. Um, you know, this, this is a guy, Frank Critchlow, who opens a restaurant, uh, a cafe, a hole in the wall in, in Labra Grove. And him and his friends are held up for riot and affray in the highest court in land. Um, you know, this, this, was, this was unprecedented that um, people through demonstrating against police, police or harassment get brought up on charges of, of um, 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 riot and affray. Usually the Old Bailey, which is highest court in land in the UK, is, is reserved for serious crimes, murder, terrorism and treason. And here you have these people these dying people being put up for right and fray in the highest court in land. So that says, that just tells you the state and what they want to do and how they want to make these people an example. Um, because they found that the mangrove was a real breeding point for a breeding, a breeding area for, for radicals because the hoi polloi went there. You know, normal, it was a home away from home for people. You know, working class black people who went out when want a taste of, of, of home and, and camaraderie. But at the same time, the whole people were going there. Intellectuals were going there. The Black Panther movement was going there. CLR James were going there. So, so people, I think their, 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 their fear was that how these sort of um, intellectuals and, and thinkers could, uh, could infiltrate and influence um, uh, the, the, the working class. So they needed to close it down. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I I felt like it was so familiar, like, you know, we have a similar, but it's a bar in my film, you know, they, they make ribs there, so they cook food mm. too, but there's, there's, it's a community, um, it's a, it's a source in the community, it's a community place, it's multi-generational where people come to commune and, and, and be with each other, and you know, one of the things that I loved about Mangrove is you saw, I mean, you would see the people spill out into the street, and that mm. was, completely familiar to me. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. Um, and so I felt like you completely captured that. And also um, this sense of institutional racism and bearing down on culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was just blown away um, by, by how oppressive that it was, you know, like it, with folks that are really just coming together in the community and finding a place to commune, you know, you want to take that away from them. 
So um, I loved it. I also thought it was impeccably cast again. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about your work with the actors in this film. Um, Letitia Wright is obviously in this, this film cool. and did such an incredible job. And, you know, I can go on and on about the actors, but I just want to talk. I, I guess my question is about the casting and working with the actors in this particular one. Well, interesting that they were coming, they were pray every day together. The, the cast, <laughs> they were, wow. and they knew they were doing something which was uh, an amazing number for, but also they wanted to represent these people where most of them have passed, only two that have survived, you know, uh, are Barbara Beast and Anthony James Laquant, mm-hmm. uh, the two women, the rest have passed. And I think people just wanted to sort of do the, you know, serve them and them right. So there was a real kind of spiritual thing going on, on a camaraderie, they will support each other. There was, there, it was wonderful because they became the Mangrove Nine. All those actors were really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and to work with them individually, of course, because individual scenes, but also to bring them together, it was just amazing. It was, um, it was beautiful. It was, it was, um, we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. Um, yeah, it's, there's certain things I could say, something that I don't, I don't want to say because it was, it's kind of private. I don't mean it in, in a way of, 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 of being no. sort of uh, reserved, but, you know, sometimes you, they look at me and I look at them and think, my goodness, we're doing this. And you know what? We're going to do it justice. So it was a lot of hard, lot of hard work getting it right, but also a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, that was beautiful. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm getting goose pimples thinking about it, actually. Yeah. No, you can sense it. There's this camaraderie uh, um, among them. And I'm like, you know, how did he, you know, achieve the sense of cohesiveness amongst the cast? And you just, you know, informing that there there was this natural sense. They were, you know, you all were praying together, you know, things like that. People together at the same time. It was incredible. It was incredible. People <laughs> laughed, people saying things, people. It was just like mannerisms. I don't even know what it was. You know, it's just like, boom. It's like, boom. It was like, boom. It was like, boom. Yeah. And therefore... Yeah. With that comfortability, then you just fly. You know, there's nothing. There's no. You're not feeling. You're not feeling sort of self-conscious or blah blah or uncomfortable. You know, or whatever. It's it's to do with the waves. You know, yeah, it's to do with the brain waves. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it it's an energy. It's spiritual. It's it's a coming together. I hear you 100. Mm. percent It was beautifully done. Um, I, I have to ask you about education. <laughs> Yes, yes, um, yes. Because yes, I know yes. I only have a certain amount of time with you. Um, no, 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 no. I think um, education just really blew my mind because it's a, you know, as a black person and also as a parent, you know, and, and as a, a black child who's gone through the education system, it really hit home for me because, you know, again, it's a specificity of place, a specificity of time. Um, but I, you know, obviously have navigated um, in my community, seeing black children being oppressed by the educational system, you know, Um, sadly. And so I was just, and I, I didn't, when I first saw small acts, I didn't let myself read any log lines, no synopsis, no anything. I I always try to do that. My wife is like, I want to read it first. No, can we not do that? No, I want to read read it first. Can we start the movie? I don't know to preempt anything, please. (laughs) but it was a steve, <laughs> in, in, in fairness it was a steve mcqueen project so i'm like i'm watching it anyway but um i just was blown away that you had taken that on so i wanted to kind of get a sense of your personal connection to it and how you decided to tell this particular story 
Why are you making so much noise? Go away, mummy. Mummy's at work. I've been kicked out of school. Oh, be quiet, Kinsey. That's not funny. Mummy's sleeping. Mummy's not here. She's to me the headmaster and it's really shit. They're sending me to a stupid Stop school. Stop in the house. You're going to get us both killed. I don't care. Mummy's not here. Oh, my God. What's going on? I'm trying to tell you. They're sending me to a stupid school. They gave me this. Two kids from my school got sent to a school like this. What does it say? Well, you want me to read it for you? I have read it. I want to hear it. You don't fool me. Um, there is a school in Durant catering for kids with special educational needs, like not being able to read, Kingsley, since 1922. I don't have special needs. I can read when I know the word. It's a school for idiots, isn't it? Mm. There's a swimming pool. I hate swimming. Wait, wait, wait. After 60 years, suspicion and ignorance has given way to enlightenment and acceptance that Durant is first and foremost a school. What's that even mean? First and foremost a school. Why would you only put school in capital letters? Well, the other day I caught myself saying, oh, when I was dyslexic. Well, I am dyslexic. I suppose what I thought, I caught myself, what do I mean when I was dyslexic? And dyslexic for me was always about, at that time, was like a fear, um, uh, um, uh, pain, and, um, and, and, and hurt, you know? Um, so I said, oh, that's why, because obviously now not, because I'm not going through the education system and, and people are tentative, you know, when they could have been more tentative and understanding of what was going on, there wasn't that understanding. Anyway, so I based the character Kingsley, the, the young boy in, um, uh, in, in, in education on, on me. What my life would have been like if I had been born in, in the, in the um, you know, mid mid seventies, yeah, late to mid seventies, mid mid early seventies, because mm -hmm. what happened was was that my life at school was was wasn't great. Okay, mm -hmm. so I was on a fast track, as you were, to sort of say, okay, um, um, manual labour. Nothing wrong with manual labour. Fantastic manual labour. But my options—that was my option. I wasn't given options. 
-hmm. I was given an option. Mm -hmm. um, when I, you know, it had nothing to do with my intellect, but everything to do with a, 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 a situation which is called dyslexia. But that also can be an advantage of dyslexia, of course, we'll, we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll be very quick on this one. I suppose what, what, I, suppose what, what, what I want to say is that um, I based him, I based character on me if I had been born 10 years earlier. Uh, um, um, and therefore, um, I, I was very connected to that story. My, my mom was my mom working two jobs in a national health service and uh, as a cleaner. My father working for, uh, 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 as a builder for, for London Transport. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of that was real. My sister being this very bright the student wanted to go to fashion school and, you know, and, and me. Um, so that was all based on, 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 on my, uh, on, 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 on my uh, upbringing as a working class black kid. Um, mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is that I didn't go to educating subnormal school. I'm sure I would have done in the 70s, but the reason why I didn't go to educating subnormal school, bust out, out there and, and being dumped upon, the thing is that West Indian children, vast amount of black children who went to those educators of normal schools did not need to be there. They were being down, downgraded in IQ. Um, they were being basically put there because of their so-called behavioral issues. So this has all been tried and, and tested. We, you know, I, actually in the UK tonight, there's a documentary that I produced called Subnormal, which mm -hmm. is about how the British government knew what they were doing was wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, downgrading uh, black people's IQs and, and, and busting out the educators of normal schools, but didn't do anything about it. And the people who stopped that happening was a black parents movement and black parents associations. They stopped um, mm -hmm. educators of normal schools existing. So they didn't just save black people's lives, they saved white people and other people's lives too, because, they're, they're because of that small act of these mothers and fathers coming together and stopping this, this is, this is, they made my life possible. So this is all about these heroes who don't have capes, who aren't followed on Instagram, but they're the ones who basically you know, do the work. It's an amazing story, it's an amazing story. And, I'm, and I love that you did that. You know, I, there's so much that I appreciate about the film. Mm -hmm. Kingsley's fantastic. But what I was really taken with was the women in the community that came together to create this Saturday school to educate um, and also educate the parents why this is wrong. You know, so and I, I, I had those women growing up, you know, I'm here because of people in the community that said you can, you know, um, I didn't have um, there weren't examples of black women directors in the South, you know, coming from the South at that time that I remember, you know, I'm there because of the community. So I was just so appreciative of this film. And um, again, it was impeccably done and really spoke to me emotionally and resonated. So thank you. Uh, I went to those blacks, that, that I went to those Saturday schools. They were amazing, man. They were people out of people's kitchens. They did any, any, they did any and everything they could to fight the state and, 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 and they won. It's amazing mm -hmm. what we can do when we come together, you know? It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. so, you, yeah, you're it was, right. It was, my honor to, it was my honor to make that picture. It was my honor. It was my honor. It was my honor. Well, it was absolutely my honor to receive it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to, you know, we have to close. We have to, like, I have to let you go, unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, 
I just wanted to tell you that I'm, you know, again, really grateful for these stories. They are about particular communities that, you know, have been organized and come together around some kind of injustice, you know, and the communities that are not often seen again. Mm -hmm. And you have managed to navigate maintaining, uh, you know, times that are of the past, but are essential for us to know about Mm -hmm. now and made them feel relevant and present. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, you're very kind. But also it's, it's, it's about we and how we can come together Mm-hmm. And 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 to do it. we can achieve anything if we just come together, and that's what Small Axe is about. You know, if they're the big tree, we come together. We can do anything if we come together. And thank you so much for uh, this conversation, which is great. I didn't really see it as a a Q and A. I thought it was a great conversation because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of yours, and we share. We worked with the same actress, Nicole Bahari, and it's, it's amazing. And you're from the south, so therefore, there you go. I am. I I, I see my folks in your work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Thank you for listening to ATX TV's original series, The TV Campfire. To watch these panels and more, please visit youtube.com backslash ATX TV. For details on the festival, go to atxfestival.com. And information on our membership program can be found at atxfestival.com backslash membership. Follow us at ATX Festival on all social media. As always, please rate and review. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And a simple click or brief comment can help us grow and have other TV lovers like yourselves find us. Feels like enough information, right? Yep. Till next time, keep watching TV.